Enough talk about Fool Fest. Today is all about some of our favorite investing resources that won't cost you a penny. Motley Fool Money starts now. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks so much for listening. For the last two days, we have been coming to you from our annual investing conference, Fool Fest. And you've heard a lot about Fool Fest, and you've heard a lot about being a Motley Fool member. But on today's show, we wanted to do something a little different and focus entirely on the free. And joining me is someone you've heard often on this show, but this is actually the first time we've been on together at the same time. It's Motley Fool Money producer Ricky Mulvey. Thanks for being here. Oh, thanks for having me, Chris. I'm a little scared. I don't know exactly what question is going to come next, but I'm excited to see where this goes. It's 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 free day. It's free day. And there's a lot of great information available for investors who are willing to pay for information. But we wanted to take a little time and talk about the great information that's available for free. And let's start with websites, because there's so many great websites out there. I've got one on my list, but what do you got? Um, and we're, I should say up front, we are going to be. Um, Providing this list in the show notes. So, if you want to take notes while you're listening, that's great. If you're driving your car while you're listening, don't take notes. Don't. We got you covered. No, this is this is going to be like a t-shirt cannon of free content. Um, <laughs> I like I, the the one I, I probably use the most frequently is uh, Investopedia. Um, anytime there's a term basic like something like the Inflation Reduction Act, even like macro stuff going on that's going to hit your investments. I, I just I think they do an excellent job at um, providing like I would say non-biased breakdowns of um, new terms and, and and those kinds of things. Like even so, like when uh, there was something in the news about single stock ETFs that were coming out, um, Investopedia is the first place I'm going. And it's yeah. If if you want to buy like leveraged positions in individual stocks, they have these single stock ETFs, and and I got the breakdown from it from Investopedia. When you did your show with Mina Kimes, and she was talking about how she would look up terms from the Wall Street Journal, I, I can pretty much guarantee you she was going to Investopedia. You use the word uh, unbiased, and that ties in nicely with the the website I was going to talk about, which is Edgar. Uh, yeah. Which which is the SEC's website, which is is really just the uh, this amazing repository of the publicly available information, the the place where public companies have to post their quarterly reports, their annual reports, um, and it's a and there are no ads by the way, so it's it's a website like if you're just looking for the basic straightforward. Factual information that companies are required to provide, uh, you could do a whole lot worse than spending time on Edgar. If you want one with a ton of bias, and it is, um, I would go with Glassdoor. I like looking at small caps, and it's it's kind of hard to find information about those companies. And if you want to see what it's like to work there, going to Glassdoor is how I usually find out, especially when there's thinner information. And also, there's there's a phenomenon among CEOs, which is they will 
portray themselves very differently in, in recorded media than perhaps they act when, when the doors are closed. And so I like using Glassdoor to find out uh, what's what's going on. And obviously there's, there's I think, juicing on both ends where if people are in take, intensely negative about where they work, they're going to pipe up on, on Glassdoor and you got to take it with a grain of salt. And I think at this point, a lot of companies are savvy enough to, to understand that investors look at Glassdoor. So like, I, like one company I looked at, they said, uh, what, what's the problem here? What are the cons? Well, there's no parking. And then for a completely separate company, there was a criticism where they uh, someone basically said, I don't like that the CEO's wife is in charge of the human resources department. And then I dug into that and I said, you know what? That might be a yellow flag. That might be. Last thing before we move off of websites, because um, you mentioned CEOs and you and I were talking about this earlier. YouTube can be uh, a good resource in terms of CEO interviews um, because a, a lot of so much of financial television is quick hits. It's it's three minute hits that sort of thing. If you do enough digging on YouTube, you can find particularly for some of the smaller companies, you can find CEOs who are doing thirty minute, sixty minute sit down conversations. And um, if 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 you want to go down that rabbit hole, it's available. And I mean, you know, Bill Mann makes the argument: if you're going to own a company, you should listen to the CEO speak, and and that's pretty much uh, that's where you're going to find it. Um, I, I feel like I should say something smarter than go to www.youtube.com and and then search the CEO's name, but that's that's unfortunately the answer. Second category uh, we came up with was writers. Um, because there are there are so many people providing content, um, and you you can go the news route, but I I, I think I think you and I um, and a lot of the people that we work with on the investing team have writers that uh, we enjoy. Yeah. Oh, you'd like me to name one? Yes. I'm gonna go with um, a guy named Trung Fan. Excellent Twitter account, and uh, he has a newsletter called the the Sat Post, and it's just. In my opinion, he has these like very thought-provoking kinds of, in some cases, financial question, in some cases, financial posts, in, in some cases, not so financial. And there's always just like a lot of uh, humor mixed in that genuinely makes me laugh. Like one of one of my favorite uh, newsletters that he's written is just called "Why Is LinkedIn So Cringe," and it's a description of why like LinkedIn is a terrible website, but also profitable and better for a user than than something like. Um, let's say let's say Facebook or Twitter, and the spoiler alert is because it's built more on subscription revenue than um, advertising revenue. And then he's had some other ones, like he did a uh, a financial analysis on how much the Mona Lisa is worth based on what people have paid for similar work. So that's a comparison analysis, uh, looking at how much revenue it would bring into the French government. Uh, it brings into the French government, and obviously it's all kind of silly because the the French government literally has a law against selling the Mona Lisa. But it's an interesting way about thinking uh, about financial valuation, and I think he's a really funny writer. So I, I, I plug for Satpost. I like I like what he's doing there. I'm going to go with Michael Batnick, who's um, a managing partner at Ritholtz Wealth Management. Um, he is also on Twitter, but uh, I, I know that there are some people listening who are not on Twitter and don't want to be on Twitter, and I get that. But he has a website called The Irrelevant Investor, and it's, it's just a lot of great content and uh, a nice amount of personality as well. It's not, you know, it's a lot of 
focus on numbers, but he will throw in uh, references to pop culture and links to um, recommendations uh, for people who are looking for things outside of the realm of investing. So, uh, yeah, the Irrelevant Investor is a, is a website uh, to definitely kick the tires on. I, I think, you know, you, we were talking earlier, this could be. Uh, I mean, we could do a week-long series on free, on free resources for investors, yep. and one of the great things for us as investors is there are so many resources that are free that you can find the ones that sort of suit your personality. For you know, for some people, you know, the 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 writers we're recommending, they might check them out and be like, okay, this isn't really the person for me. There are others out there. You whatever you're into, you're going to find someone who you click with. Yeah, one one of the blog posts on Irrelevant. I think it might have been Josh Brown. Actually, they work for the same firm. But they uh, there's a blog post about how essentially there is no all clear signal for market bottoms. And it was writing about March of 2009. And then I think I think that was one that was uh, written during the first COVID pandemic. But it, it's a blog that has helped kind of shape my view on um, investing in part because it looked at the day the market bottomed, and the idea was that it only seemed like things were going to get worse from there. And no, no, I think they, they they got a good crew there. Sidebar: Do you think Twitter has made you a better or worse investor? Because I don't know the answer to that question. I think it's made me a more informed investor because one of the benefits I think of Twitter is it is a way to get at information quickly. So, okay. um, as someone who spends a lot of time focused on financial news, there are times where. I will go to a reputable news site, will not find what I'm looking for, and if I go onto Twitter and do uh, 30 seconds worth of searching, I can find what I'm looking for. So it's definitely made me more informed. But uh, it, yeah, you can't you can't get trapped. You can't, you can't get trapped on Twitter. Not a writer, but a professor that I think is worth mentioning, and I, I believe we're going to have him on the show in the near future. In terms of just a plethora of information being out there, Oswath Demoterin, all of his classes are free. So this this barrier that used to exist essentially, where if you want to learn how to do valuation, you can you can attend an NYU class for free. Granted, like it costs money for the certificate, it, you're not going to NYU, but there is now a complete breakdown essentially. I would say in in information gating and if you poke around a little bit uh, you know it's it's not too hard to find some some great stuff as well yeah Dylan Lewis mentioned uh, demoterin uh, when we talked last week and yeah it's it's I think the first time I heard about demoterin it was from Ron gross and he had mentioned that he had talked about you know yeah he's got all the and I just remember looking at him quizzically and saying what do you mean every he puts everything online for like he teaches at NYU and he just puts it it's like yeah it's all there he was he was talking about it on the um, the billionaire podcast network and essentially the idea is he said yes that's part of my deal there which is I take more students and they allow me to put out all of my classes for free online which I, I think is really cool Speaking of podcasts, uh, this podcast is free. Rule Breaker Investing with David Gardner is free. Uh, the Motley Fool Money version that you can get out of Australia is free. Uh, but we're, ne- we're not here to promote our shows. Let's let's. Uh, After we folks. just promoted our own shows, exactly. After saying that thing, I'm not here to talk about that <laughs> thing I just mentioned. Uh, but uh, let's let's shine a light on on some other shows that we like and admire. Sure thing. Uh, one I really like. So, uh, first of all, I, I think you feel a similar way sometimes, which is like the last, like working on a financial podcast for most of your day when you're like, oh, I want to 
uh, listen to something during a workout or on my drive home, it's, it can be a little difficult to justify listening to another financial podcast. So I have a little bit of a workaround, one of which I really enjoy plain English from Derek Thompson. Uh, he's a writer for The Atlantic. He does this podcast with The Ringer. Great at bringing sometimes macroeconomic stuff, looking at like crypto crashes, emerging technologies uh, like renewable energy. And he's got a really, I think, incisive opinion. And he's, uh, he's an excellent writer, great communicator, and knows how to dig deep on a subject and hold my attention for, for 40 minutes, which are two very different tasks. And then also in the Ringer universe, uh, I'd go with The Watch. It's, it's more of a pop culture podcast, but one of the hosts, uh, a guy named Andy Greenwald, ended up he, he, uh, a few years ago, he had a show for, uh, that aired on the USA Network. So I think it's a very good like insider look at some of the stuff going on in Hollywood. He's a, like they, they seem not only aware but more knowledgeable with the people who are impacted by some of the key players that uh, we often talk about from from further further down the sidelines. Well, and you were talking about Glassdoor earlier. The Watch is one of those shows where. If you're an investor and you're interested in, okay, the people who work in Hollywood, what do they think of Netflix, HBO, uh, Warner Brothers, uh, all these different streaming? So, what is it like for them to work uh, for these companies? Um, you, you definitely get those types of insights from a, a show like The Watch. Um, I'm going to mention a show I've, I've mentioned before, but I, I, um, I really just think uh, Check Your Balances is. A fantastic show for anyone who's looking for uh, a weekly show. New episodes come out on Wednesdays. Um, it is it is two uh, former colleagues, uh, Dan Maseka and Ross Anderson, um, but they went out started their own business, and they they have this great weekly show called Check Your Balances, where they essentially focus on a single topic. Episodes are about 20, 25 minutes. Um, they have a great rapport, and they don't waste your time. Like they're just, it is. They have a great rapport, but it is never indulgent, uh, and it's always smart. And the thing I, I listened to a little bit of it, um, probably I listened to significantly less episodes from you, but sort of the vibe I got from them is that they come at financial planning with a lot more humility. And like here, are the di like they had a they had a show I enjoyed called Point Counterpoint, where they looked at different uh, top uh, topics like paying down low cost debt versus investing, or passive versus active investing. When you should take Social Security, and it was it was sort of just these are the different perspectives on uh, these decisions, in which there these are very personal decisions, and there's different answers for different people. And I, I liked that they came at it from more of like humility and showing both sides than than sometimes you get from a financial advisor show, which is this like finger wagging. Thou shalt do this, kind of thing. So no, I I, I like that one as well. Uh, last thing I'll say is um, the episodes they do have a really long shelf life because um, yep. they're they're not really tied to the news of the day or the news of the week. Um, so it's the sort of thing where you, you can essentially just scroll through their episode feed uh, and find a topic you're interested in. Um, last thing, when it comes to free, um, you wanted to add a category. And that is the public library. I came right into the outline and I added the category because when we were planning this episode, you said, for the love of all that is good, please do not just say go to the public library. <laughs> 
because you know if, if if having fun isn't hard all you need is a library card i firmly believe that but where do you even go the, these two ideas don't involve getting in your car so a lot of public library um programs now have have apps that you can use one i really like is called libby uh get a lot of books and audiobooks on there and they also have magazines so um, if i want to look at the economist or something like fast company they, they let you borrow the magazine similar to the um slightly more germ-filled version that you might find in the sitting room of your, your public library. Uh, and I enjoy that. The other one I like is a little bit less investment related, but they got Hoopla. That's more of a streaming one. There's some books on there, but it's primarily streaming video and, and some comic book stuff. But one thing I've really enjoyed about Hoopla is that they have a lot of the great courses on there. So if you remember like the back page of the New York Times book review when they listed all of the courses that were like 150 a pop, a lot of those are streaming on Hoopla. Uh, one I've been enjoying, and, and we've got a podcast with Brian Stoffel coming out about this. It's it's called Think Like a Stoic, and I think there are a lot of uh, tenets of the Stoic philosophers that can help you, uh, and it's helped me be a better investor. So those those are two little paths that you might have at your your public library. And also, just go to your public library. Yeah, that, I did realize that I came off as is a little bit anti-library. Like, this is this is a very like I'm going to say something controversial, but this is a pro-library show. I don't want to come off as an anti <laughs> anti-library commentator over here. We are pro-book, we are pro-reading, and we are defiantly pro-library. Ricky Mulvey, really appreciate you being here. Thanks. Thanks for having me. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.